we're going to be teaching today on a thankful church. I'm so glad that God has given us a church that we can be thankful for and that can show us through the lives of those that are living out their Christian walk that God is good and God is faithful and we do have the, the privilege of being thankful. Even when we see God working in other people's lives, it gives us a thankful spirit because we know that God is working for them and he works for them. He surely will work for you. Amen. So let's go to the word of the Lord. Let's go to St. Luke chapter 5. I have been in this passage for about a week, just thinking over it and, and praying that God would give me some revelation from this passage. And, and um, I noticed there were several other uh, situations that people were going through that kind of fit the scriptures. And then I also noticed other preachers preaching about this passage um, online today. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if maybe the Lord is trying to say something to the church at large. Amen. So we want to go to Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. I will be stopping in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and then we'll finish in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, uh, 16 through 19. Just three passages for you to consider as we're having our Thanksgiving service today. It'll be Thanksgiving. Many of you have your plans and the way that you're going to meet set up. And so we hope that you have a great time with your family, however you choose to gather, uh, preferably safely. But we know that God is with us, amen, and we have no fear of, of what can come, but we want to be conscientious. But as we go to the word of the Lord, let me remind you today that God's word is timeless. And no matter what we're going through, his word will speak to our hearts. Amen. And so we ask for the grace of God on his word. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 5, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Genesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. The lake Genesaret, of, of course, is the Sea of Galilee. You'll recognize that, but the Lake Genesaret is, is just a more specific name. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which, Simon, which was Simon's, and prayed that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, you take care of the carpentry, we'll take care of the fishing. No, he didn't, he didn't say that. He was obedient even when it didn't make sense. That's a good word right there. Someone put that in the chat. He was obedient even when it didn't make sense. We have toiled all night, he said. Look at, look at the burden he's talking about. He said, Master, look, we've worked, and it's not easy to fish with nets. It's, we've toiled, he said, is the word he used, all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. When they obeyed and let those nets down, they put, took up a great harvest of fish, and their nets break, so much so that their nets were breaking. And then 
It goes on to say in verse 7, and they beckoned unto their partners which were in their ship, amen, that they should come and help them. A blessing from the Lord is always going to bless more than you. It'll bless somebody else as well. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down and at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with him and at the drought of fish or the amount of fish, fishes which they had taken. I'm going to stop there and just preach for a little while about a thankful church. Thankfulness brings a centering effect. We heard today in Spirit Life class. If you had a chance to, to join in, if not, go catch the link afterwards and listen to what Brother Reese was preaching about. But Thankfulness focuses us, and that's what we want to do. We want to have a thankful, focused, powerful, glory-filled church. And so I'm thankful today for a thankful church. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we need your help. We need your divine directives. We need these words to become life and live in us. We need your Holy Ghost to show up because we are nothing without you, Jesus. And though we, some of us have been through some of the most difficult weeks lately, some of us even this week have had news and, and struggle and, and, and things that we've been pondering and things that we've been fighting in our mind and, and, and things that we've been concerned about in, in ways that, that we don't see a way out without you, Jesus. But even in this moment, would you help us to learn to be thankful? Even in the difficult moment, Lord God, would you help us learn to be thankful because it's the thankful church that sees God's glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated on the couch or on the chair, wherever you are. Put the kids on your lap. And let's, let's uh, have the Lord bless us with this word. Um, I'm going to need a little bit of help with an illustration in a little bit. If you wouldn't mind, Brother Rob, I would appreciate that. Amen. There is a beautiful story here in Scripture of, a, of some fishermen who know how to do their job but have not succeeded at their job. They have toiled all night. They have worked diligently. They have put out their nets and drawn them in again and again, and they've caught nothing. These are professionals, and they are stumped. They, they don't get anything from their efforts. And they come back into shore, and Jesus is teaching. And they're, the, the people on the shore are not practicing social distancing. They, they don't have their masks on. They, they're not doing six feet apart at all. They, they are pressing him. And so because he's the creator in a body, he knows that water creates amplification when you bounce sound off of it. And so he says, I'm going to get into a boat. I'm going to select a boat, and I'm going to go out a little bit from shore, and I'm going to use the effect of sound bouncing off water to create an amphitheater for the people that are pressing to hear the teaching of Jesus. How many have ever been taught by the Word of God, and you just hunger for more of it? That it just, it just draws your heart, and it sets a fire in your life, and you just can't get enough of the Word of God. That is what's going on in these people on the shore. And so Jesus selects a boat. There's other boats there, but Jesus selects Peter's boat. I think it's because Peter's boat was an important lesson to all of us that he selects one who should not be selected. He, he chose one who, who was a difficult individual. He had temper problems, and, and he had issues. He was going to later on make decisions that weren't very good. He was going to make mistakes. And, and I think that in those moments when God chooses 
someone like this, you have to question. He had other options, obviously. There was multiple boats on the shore, and he had other options, but he chose Peter's boat because he knew what was in Peter would come out if he saw what God did to teach on the land and, and in the boat. So he asked Peter, give me your boat first. Put something into my hands first and let me use it, and I will return to you. It's the law of reciprocity. If you give God something, he gives back even more. You cannot give the Lord. Somebody put praise hands in the emo emoji column or, or pull an emoji and put something in there that lifts the Lord up and just let him know that you understand that you cannot outgive God. No matter what you give of your life, no matter what you give of your resources, your time, or your money, he gave it to us all anyways. And it's just a return of worship to him. But when you give it to him, he's going to do more than just take your boat and use it to teach with. He's going to then turn around and put a calling on Peter's life. And that calling would lead Peter to a place where he was used by God. And that, that understanding that we, we know that he, he was a man that was full of mistakes, a man full of error at times, but he was still used by God. That should encourage us. That should give us hope that God knew what Peter was before he ever called him. But because Peter was willing to give of himself, because Peter was willing to give, it was nothing but a distraction. It was, it was in a moment where they're working to clean their nets. It wasn't a good time to give to God, but it was still the right thing to do. And he, he gave, even though it hurt, even though it, it drew him away from cleaning his nets and, and doing what he needed to do, it still was what he was called to do, and so he obeyed, and the obedience brought an opportunity to his life. I wonder what God is asking you to obey today. I wonder where God's calling you to. I wonder what God has brought you to that even though you have made mistakes, God knew what you would be, and you haven't disqualified yourself from being used by God because he chose you even though he knew what you would do. And he chose Peter even though he would cut off the ear of Malchus in the garden. He chose Peter even though he knew he was going to deny him before the rooster crowed three times. He chose Peter even though he knew what was in Peter. And before he changed his name, he borrowed his boat. The church is sometimes considered the ship of Zion. The, the, the church is sometimes considered that salvation. It's, it's not the love boat sometimes, but it definitely is the, the, the ship of Zion. We're headed toward heaven. And, and sometimes people ask me, well, why do you let the young guys preach so much? And why do you let them get up so much? Because it's not my boat. If we don't give this ship, this, this ship back to God, if we don't give this boat back to the Lord, if we don't share everything that we have that's his, then God's anointing cannot fall on it. But if you give to God what's his, this church is his. If, if we're doing it virtual, if we're doing it in person, this church is his. And I mean you are his. I mean we are his. We are the tabernacle of the Lord. And so when he gives the analogy of, of Peter, give me your boat, it's the same as 
asking, give me yourself. Give me who you are. Because if this is the ship of Zion, if we are the ones who are the boat, then we have to give of ourselves. And whenever we give of ourselves, God returns the gift of glory. You don't have to understand all of the ways that God works. You just have to understand that he is your way out. And he is your truth when other truths don't hold up. And he is your joy and your peace. And he is within arm's reach right now. He's always within hand's reach. Joy is within hand's reach. Hope is within hand's reach. Because Jesus is all of that for us. And because of that, if we give him all of ourselves, he gives us in return great blessings that we know come from God. And so we see so many places in Scripture where God selects somebody, and we wonder, why did he select them? Didn't he know they were going to fail? Didn't he know they were going to mess up? Did he know the bad choices that they were going to do? But you have to understand in the wisdom of God that we're learning and that what I found in this day and age is that there's becoming more and more an increasing amount of the spiritual gift of impartation. That God is allowing ministers and people to stand over people and pray. And when they touch them and pray over them, that this gift that's inside of them is allowed to transfer to the person that they're praying for. And they're allowed to operate in the gift that is given from the person who prayed it. It's called impartation. When I take something I have and I give it to somebody else, transfer it through in prayer. And I believe that God's going to use impartation in this last day to give people the vision and give people the faith to do what God is calling them to do and that they won't even know necessarily how it came and maybe they will. They'll know the preacher that prayed for them, but it's not the preacher. It's the the wisdom of God and the power of God that actually does the work. And so when we stand and we have someone pray over our life and we have someone pray for wisdom and we have someone pray for different things, we have to understand that there are things that can be imparted But there are some things that cannot be imparted. Whenever people come and pray for me or ask me to pray for them at the church, sometimes they're asking me to pray for things that are simply simply just immaturity in their life. They haven't decided to choose the right things long enough to not be in the consequences of their bad decisions still. And I wonder if maybe we're asking God to take care of something that he's wanting us to take care of. I wonder if there's not some places in our life where we have a story that's damaged because we have chosen the wrong things and we would improve and we would take out the damage from our life if we would just delete a few relationships or delete a few systems that, or delete a few bad habits or do something that we need to do to be right with God. And I'm not asking you to go back and analyze all your bad decisions. Truly, those are under the blood of Jesus, and we're thankful for that. And I'm also not asking you to to take today's wisdom and judge yesterday's mistakes, because today's wisdom that you have was given to you by walking through and learning from your mistakes. But even as Peter was here and still had mistakes to make, God chose him anyways, because he knew him. And he knows you. Before you were formed in the belly, he told Jeremiah, I knew you. I foreordained you. And I believe that God picked you, even though we sometimes make mistakes, even though we sometimes do some really um, not so intelligent things, God chooses you 
anyways. That should give us a picture of how big his grace is. That should give us a picture of how beautiful it is that our gaps are covered by his grace. Somebody put that in the chat, that my gaps are covered by his grace, that God is able. I was just sitting down with somebody I love very deeply to this week, and I was talking about the gaps of grace that are in our lives. And for every person, it's different. Maybe your gap is, is the desire towards something that you're not supposed to have. Maybe it's dealing with an addiction that you, you're fighting and and yet, yet you, you want to be a Christian and you want to live right, but your heart and emotions keep taking you back to a, to a drug or taking you back to, to something that's addictive and, and you've got this gap going on and you know what's right, but you keep on doing what's wrong because your mind has been so wired to, to release chemicals when you get that particular hit or that high or that, or that drink and you are doing your best to walk away from it, but you're still dealing with the addiction of it. I want you to know God's grace is on you. God's grace can cover you. God can bring you out of it. He knew what you were when he called you. He knew where you were going to be at right now, and he is still there in your life working with you and calling you. And I believe God can do a great thing even in the moments where we choose not to do something right. I believe God's grace can be on it. The message of the cross was foolishness, but it really was the wisdom of God. Amen. And so, in the wisdom of God, He chose you to be in that family that you're in. In the wisdom of God, He chose you to be around that table this Thanksgiving and to be a witness of God. Oh, I know you've been through some stuff, I know you've got history of mistakes, but He picked you. He picked your boat. He picked your life. Even with the mistakes and all, he picked you, Peter. And he knows that you're going to do great things because in Acts 2.38, 50 days after the, the Lord was crucified, 50 days after Passover, we know that Peter stood up and preached this message. Then Peter said, the one who rejected Jesus and said, I, I don't even know him? Yeah, that one. The, the one who borrowed his boat to the Lord and didn't know what that would even mean, but ended up leaving everything and following that one. The one that was impetuous, the one that had a problem with his temper, yeah, that one. The one that nobody would have expected out of the 12 stood up and said, repent. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ because it remits your sin for the remission of sin. And ye shall, it's an imperative, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. What a promise revealed through Peter. God knew when he borrowed his boat that he would stand at Pentecost and preach that message. What have we done that could take us out of the hand of God if we would but pray and ask God to forgive us. The places where you're broken, the places where you've fallen down are the same things that God uses as lessons for you to stand upon and preach the gospel message. So the thorns in our life, even Paul talked about it. Paul had a thorn. He had a place 
where he was dealing with the struggles of life, and there was this particular thorn in his life that he, he asked God to help him with. Sometimes it's hard to be thankful when you have something that won't go away. Oh, somebody say amen in the chat on that one. When you have a struggle, when you have a situation, when you have a problem that just seems to keep coming back, or even if you keep dealing with it yourself, you have a desire for something and you just can't seem to say no. Those are the moments whenever God's grace shows up, even though we have a thorn in our life. Paul was dealing with it. But I want to take you to 1 Thessalonians 5, and I want you to see four things that you can do this holiday season, this Thanksgiving season. I want you to write these down if you have a notepad near you or, or put something near you where you can just maybe put post-it notes on the mirror or something this week. And I want you to work on these four things. It starts in verse 16 and goes down to verse 19. God even gives in his holy word entire sentences to just these things. And number one is rejoice always or rejoice evermore, the King James says. I don't know about you, but that's not my first response sometimes when things happen to rejoice. I don't I don't get excited and, and, and feel fantastic when my flight leaves while I'm sitting on the other plane that's supposed to connect. I don't, I don't get joy. I used to travel a lot, and I remember parking and not having a way to get into the airport, especially at LAX and some of these bigger airports, not having a terminal to dock at and watching as my plane backed away and left that I was supposed to be getting on. I, I know that in those moments, I did not rejoice evermore. I didn't, I didn't have within me the emotion of, woohoo! I wasn't excited about that particular situation. I had to go through an entire landscape of other emotions before I finally got to the decision, hello somebody, put decision to rejoice. I, I had to go through anger, frustration. I had to go through why didn't they plan better. I had to go through all of these different thoughts and emotions just to get to the point where I realized 1 Thessalonians 5 needs to show up because if I'm thankful and if I'm rejoicing, God does something with even the worst moments when we make decisions to use those moments for his glory. And we will get back to that in just a minute. But look at verse 17. He says, pray without ceasing. I don't know about you, but I have the Holy Ghost. Are you glad you have the Holy Spirit in your life? And when the Holy Spirit came on me, I began to speak in other tongues as the beautiful Holy Ghost filled my life and spilled out my cup, out my lips of my cup, amen, came out the lips, and it was a sign that I was full of the Holy Ghost because I spoke with other tongues, and I'm so grateful that I have that prayer language and that, that tongue that initially showed me I was filled with the Holy Ghost and now is used even in prayer as I need things that I don't even know how to ask for them, and I don't even know how to deal with something. I could just go to praying in the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know that the Bible says that the Spirit makes intercession for us. And so maybe a revelation for you this week would be that even if you're not praying prayers, even if it's not a moment where you're saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this, or thank you, Lord, for that, did you know that the 
Holy Spirit inside of you is praying constantly in perfect will of God. That the Holy Ghost inside of you is actually doing something you cannot do. If you were to pray without ceasing, you couldn't eat a proper meal. If you were to pray without ceasing, you couldn't go and do your job properly. But if you have the ability to have the Holy Ghost working inside of you, you actually have the Spirit of God in you praying continually. You honor 1 Thessalonians 5.17 when you get full of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost in church. We need the Holy Ghost in power. We need the Holy Ghost in anointing. We need the Holy Ghost in preaching. We need the Holy Ghost in our music. We need the Holy Ghost in our life. We need the Holy Ghost so that we can pray without ceasing because you're going to get distracted by life but the Holy Ghost is never distracted from God's will. It will always pray over you and intercede over your life the perfect will of God for you, and you will walk into it if you submit to it, and you walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. This scripture is what we need to do this thankful weekend as a thankful church. We need to pray without ceasing through the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then the next verse is a beautiful verse that we're kind of focused on as we finish up this series with a thankful church. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks. Can you do that? It's so hard, isn't it? It's so difficult to, in all things, like all things, every single one of them to give thanks. When the dog messes on the carpet, <laughs> when your kids run through the house with muddy shoes, and you just got new carpets, or when the tree falls on the back half of the house, or how do, you, how do you give thanks or something like that? But the Bible says there's a place where we can choose in our minds thankfulness. Brother Reese said it's so good today. He said if you choose thankfulness in the good times, then you'll have the pattern of decision in your mind to choose thankfulness in the bad times. That's what the scripture is commanding us to do. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I want to be a church that's full of thankful people. How about you? Would you lift your hands and just say, Lord, make me thankful in all things. I know there's good things that are easy to be thankful for, but even when the, the word cuts deep into my heart or even when a situation comes that's very destructive or very distracting, help me to be thankful in those moments as well. And then this last one, this fourth one for us to deal with this week as a thankful church, it says, quench not the spirit. Oh, to let the spirit of God move freely among us. Oh, to let his power and anointing move within us and through us. Oh, to let the glory of God rest upon a thankful church. Oh, to see the miracle signs and wonders that God said would follow them that believe. Oh, to see the wisdom and the power and the glory of the Lord set down on us. You know, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. You know, Peter was, was just a sinner saved by the Lord when he called him out and, and through the sacrifice of his Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we know that all have fallen short 
What's that, what, that, what is that talking about? It's saying that God's design for his church is to be full of glory. Someone put that in the chat. Full of glory. That's what God designs for us. He designs for us to be full of his glory and to live and walk in his presence and his glory. That was the original design that they, Adam and Eve were in the presence and the glory of the Lord. But when it says all have sinned and fallen short, if, if this is God's glory, all have sinned and missed the mark. All, all have, have, have not hit where God wanted us to hit. He wanted us to be full of his glory, to live always in his presence, to never know what it was like to be lonely, to never know what it was like to be without him and without the resource and supplies that we needed, without the, the things that God wanted us to have. We're always in his presence. And so he wants that for his church today. He wants the church to be full of his glory. But the problem is so many of us have missed the mark. So the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of what? God's goal, his glory. So when we see that God is moving in our lives, we have to understand that places where God shows glory are places where we can be thankful, even if they're not thankful places, even if they're not thankful situations, even if they're not things that God sent to our life, he can use them for his glory. And when we let him get glory in situations, we stop missing the mark. We actually take the mistakes and we realign them and they become glorious in God. Literally taking our mistakes and taking our worship and taking our moments of weakness and turning them in to the power and the glory and the revealed presence and the anointing and the literal manifestation of God in our life that we literally walk away and go, I don't know why that had to come. I would have never chosen that situation, but I am thankful for it. I am thankful that God used it. I am thankful for the souls he saved from my testimony. What is God using in your life to bring glory to the church? What is God using that you can be a thankful church over? That his glory shows up because we're thankful in the church. Amen. That is why we need a thankful church. This world needs to see the demonstration of the glory of God. Somebody go ahead and thank the Lord for that, that there's still a church that has the demonstration of the power of God, that it's not just ritualistic, it's not just liturgy, it's not just words from an old book, but there's life and there's power and there's anointing still in his church, there's glory and there's miracle power still in his church. I'm thankful that I know that and I'm thankful for a church who lets God's glory be revealed. I'm thankful for a church that's taken us back to the original state before the fall of man into the presence and the glory of God through the power of the Holy Spirit and through repentance and water baptism, through the walking through the application of Jesus' sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection, brings us into a state where we can be a think, full F-U-L-L church because he saves to the uttermost by his sacrifice. 
Would you just lift your hands and thank the Lord for that for just a second? Lord, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for filling your church with thankful people. Thank you that a thankful church releases the glory of God through your spirit. I thank you for what you've done in our life. Pastor, I I have prayed so many times for this thing and it's never gone away. I've prayed so many times to change and I just can't seem to change. You, like Paul, have a thorn in your life. You have something that you've asked God to change and it hasn't changed. Let me give you an illustration because maybe like like me, you you, you see pictures and remember pictures better. Brother Rob's going to come help me, but if you just stand right here, Rob, I saw this illustration. I thought it was really great and I wanted to share it with you. Paul had a thorn. Rob is going to be our illustration of a thorn. He's in our life. And Paul left that particular thorn and he went to God. He said, Lord, please remove this thorn from me. Please remove this struggle. This, please remove this thing that's in my life. It's a hindrance. It's a bother. It's a problem. It's a distraction. I could be so much more focused if I could just get past the thorn in my life. Would you take it, Lord? In Jesus' name, I believe it's done. And I could just envision Paul turning around and going, oh, you're still here. I prayed in Jesus' name. I did everything I knew. I read all the scriptures I knew about victory and being set free, and yet the thorn was still there. And so he went back to God, and he prayed again. He looked again, it's still there. Is God not hearing my prayers? Have you ever felt that way? Is God not hearing my prayers? This, this is a problem for me. This, I need this thorn to go away. Not Rob. He's not a problem. But the thorn I'm referring to that Paul was praying for. So he prays a third time. He says, Lord, you know I'm not asking for this to be taken away so that I can abuse grace. You're not, I'm not asking for this to be taken away so that I can take liberty in other areas. I'm asking this to be taken away so that I can serve you better, so I can serve you with more, with more dedication. I don't have this distraction in my life. Please answer my prayers and remove this thorn in Jesus' name. And God answered him on the third time and said, my grace is made sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. He said, even though you have weakness present, you are strong in me at the exact same time. Not weak moving to strong or not strong being dragged back to your weakness, but he said, you are both at the exact same time. You are strong in me even though there's a weakness there and the weakness is covered by my sufficient grace. For my strength finds its perfection in your weakness. And so Paul preached with that weakness, never removed the thorn, but he said, well, if you're not going anywhere, you might as well do something. Put your hands out. You might as well hold something. You might as well help me with something. You might as well do something. If the thorn is going to stay, you might as well put it to work. Amen? So what I was saying through this illustration is that there are some things you've prayed for, for God to remove in your life, 
And God's saying, my grace is sufficient. Let that thing bring me glory. Put your past to work. Put your mistakes to work. Help somebody learn not to fall into the same places you fell. Teach people how to, how to take their struggles and their thorns and put them to work in their testimony. Amen. Let your past, let your struggle, let your mistakes that have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and covered by God's grace, preach the gospel message to somebody else. Let your life be the guidebook to get somebody out of their struggle. Go be, hear me carefully, church. Go be the person you needed when you were at your lowest moment. Go be the message of God to somebody. Go let your mistakes or your thorns give God glory. Amen. Thank you, Brother Rob. Would you just lift your hands right now and would you ask the Lord to strengthen you to use your story as a thankful church to win somebody's life back to God. Would you be thankful? Because if you give God permission to release his glory in your situation, if you give God permission by putting your thorn to work, you can be like Paul where he said, I didn't come to you in excellency of speech. You could see my thorn. You could see that I wasn't really pleasant to look at or I, I had things going on in my life. My flesh was weak, but I was strong in the power of God. I was strong in the anointing of God, though I was not strong in flesh and though I did not have enticing words of men. You saw through me the demonstration of the power of God. Use your thorn to bring God glory. Be thankful even in everything. So those are the things we're going to do this week. If you wanted to write them down, I know you did. But that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to, in all things, give thanks. We're going to spend time in God's presence. But we're going to rejoice always. We're going to pray without ceasing. We're going to in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And we're going to quench not the spirit. We're going to let the glory of God be revealed as we be, as us, individuals, each one of us, individually, become the collective church. Together, a thankful church. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. And be a thankful church.